Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Friday. It's Friday, August 4th, and it is the Feast of St. John Vianney, the cure of ours. Beautiful summary about his life on Catholic News Agency's story posted this morning by CNA staff a century after the patron saint of priest St. John died on August 4th, 1859. Pope John Twenty-Third reflecting on the life of the saint and what it means to be a holy priest. In contemplating his life, one immediately thinks of a priest who lived out great penance and whose only motives were the love of God and the desire of the salvation of the souls of his neighbors, John the Twenty-Third said. After struggling with his studies, John Vianney was ordained a priest in 1815. Shortly after he was arraigned to Ars France near his hometown, there he spent the majority of his priesthood Devoted pastor was known for his dedication to the poor, his counseling to those in need, and for founding La Provenance, an orphanage for girls, also well known for his dedication to the sacrament of penance. He would make himself available for confession for up to 16 hours a day. St. John Vianney, a model of priestly holiness, pray for us and for all priests and deacons and religious. Coming up in the program this morning, looking forward to checking in with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN, to talk, of course, about the beautiful coverage of World Youth Day. We discussed that with Shannon Mullen from CNA yesterday. We'll get some more specifics as to what's coming up over the weekend as they follow the Pope and some 354,000-plus young people across Portugal for World Youth Day. Just beautiful. Last night I stayed up late to watch some of the coverage and it was just so moving and these kids look so happy. It's just it's just really, really encouraging. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can find out as to when everything is going to be on and Doug will give us more detail. But EWTN.com, there's a link right on the homepage of our website. Fact Check Friday. Okay, so have you heard about this? I ran this earlier in the week for my regional listeners in the first hour of Catholic Connection. This story that is still making headlines, uh, mainly overseas and in conservative news circles, because the media here, of course, oh, nothing to look at there. So what I find so challenging about this whole thing is that pretty soon we're going to be seeing all these races for the cure with Susan G. Komen. Now, there's a whole situation with them that I've done over the years in terms of supporting groups like Planned Parenthood and money going to Planned Parenthood. And we know that there is uh, so much evidence to show a connection between birth control and breast cancer and, of course, abortion and an increased risk of breast cancer. And it's another thing the media don't, don't cover. But there's a lot of coverage in raising awareness regarding the very important concern over breast cancer in women. That's a big, big topic that needs to be addressed, right, and covered. And so why are the media ignoring this story out of Great Britain and this focuses on advertising. And again, this is another whole Bud Light situation, right? So this coffee company overseas called Costa Coffee thought it was a good idea to use a trans person, apparently a woman, an image, cartoon image of a woman transitioning to a man. And this image is in shorts or swim trunks or something. One hand up is drinking a cup of coffee. And you could see on the chest there are scars showing that obviously the breasts were removed. Now, what does this do to all the women out there who struggle, bless their hearts, 
with breast cancer and have to possibly make the decision to have a mastectomy or a double mastectomy. Their feelings don't matter here. Nope. Nope. No big deal. It's all about this woke agenda. So I just did some research on this and I came across a very interesting interview that was done by a British talk show host uh, from radio and TV. He interviewed this woman, Susan Smith, and she is with Four Women Scotland. Wait till you hear what she has to say about this and how important it is for people to share their concerns about this nonsense of these companies thinking that they have to kowtow to such a small percentage of the population, not that we shouldn't care about everyone, but to ignore the vast majority of people because they are being pressured to push this woke agenda. So that's coming up at Fact Check Friday. And then wrapping up on a Friday, we're going to be checking in with the State Director of Catholic Outreach for Vote Catholic Ohio. A lot of important issues coming up regarding the vote in Ohio and abortion, and very similar to what we faced in Michigan last year. We did not do well last year. We fought very hard and diligently, but unfortunately, Proposal 3 passed, and now we have abortion in our state constitution. Isn't that just wonderful? It's horrific what's happening here in Michigan. So we're trying to get the word out as much as possible to help our brothers and sisters for life in the good state of Ohio, and we'll wrap up the program talking about that on a Friday. Let's take a look at the weather for you and see what the weekend is going to bring. Lots of warm weather. Heat and humidity, very high heat and humidity continuing across much of the south. Severe storms producing damaging winds and locally heavy rain in the northeast. An upper level system combined with ample moisture producing heavy rain for parts of the north and the plains where flash flooding will be likely. Meanwhile, fire weather threats continue in the South Plains and the Northwest. So that's a forecast for the rest of the U.S. of A. Thank you for tuning in to EWTN, and don't forget to check out all of our work online at EWTN.com, and also, of course, our co-producer, AveMariaRadio.net. Six minutes past the hour and a busy Friday morning. Let's get started with the news. Catholic News Agency giving us an update on the Holy Father's visit to Portugal at a gathering with Portuguese charity. CNA tells us, meeting with charity workers this morning, the Holy Father going off script, insisting that Christian love must be tangibly lived out in the world and not remain a figment of people's fantasies. There is no abstract love. It does not exist. He says concrete love is the one that gets its hands dirty. Stating it was difficult for him to continue reading his prepared text, the Holy Father delivering the impromptu remarks after hearing testimonies from ministry representatives, including a service that helps expectant moms and their babies, also a community formed to aid those suffering from cancer, and an all-around charity center. The Holy Father contrasting the witness of those ministries, which he said were part of a reality that leaves a mark and is an inspiration to people who avoid contact with the poor and the marginalized and instead look for a distilled life that is only fantasy. Another story that's really something, listen to this, a new poll from the University of Chicago's Project on Security and Threats, finding that American support for violence to restore a federal right to abortion has actually grown significantly over the last six months. The survey finding that 12% of Americans agreed with the statement The use of force is justified to restore the federal right to abortion. That's a sharp increase from the 8% who agreed with the statement in January. CNA reporting the increase was most pronounced among self-described Democrats, about 8% of Democrats in January, 
said they favored the use of violence to restore abortion rights compared with 16% who agreed with the statement back in June. Independent support for violence to restore the federal right to abortion rising from 11 to 14% from January to June. Among Republicans, the number remaining at 6%. The new poll follows a year that saw a series of pro-abortion attacks against Catholic churches, pregnancy resource centers, and other pro-life institutions across the country starting in May of last year. The latest attack, July 24th, on a pregnancy center in the city of Las Vegas. In other news this morning, Jonathan O'Halloran tells us that police on Long Island expected to hold a news conference today where they will identify one of the remaining Jane Doe victims in the Beach Murders case. That's according to NBC4 New York, who does not say if the identity of the Jane Doe will tie the victim to suspect Rex Hewerman. He has been charged in three of the Gilgo Beach murders and is heavily suspected by prosecutors of being responsible for a fourth. Prosecutors have most recently asked for a direct DNA sample from Hewerman as they try to strengthen their case and potentially tie him to other victims. The serial killings on Gilgo Beach are thought to have taken place between 1996 and 2011, where the remains of up to 18 people were found. Former President Donald Trump's attorney ripping the latest federal indictment. President Trump will continue to fight, not for him, but for the American people. Outside the courthouse where he was arraigned Thursday in relationship to charges of the 2020 election, Alina Haba called the indictment election interference against a presidential candidate, telling reporters Donald Trump is under siege in a way that we have never seen before. Democratic presidential hopeful Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says the U.S. is failing to control the southern border. We need some barrier so that we know everybody who's crossing. We can do that. And we can, and if we have the personnel, we can stop that. While speaking in Southern California yesterday, Kennedy saying immigration reform will be one of his top priorities, priorities if he is elected president. He said the current policy is not serving anyone's interests and called for more barriers and more personnel at the border. Two U.S. Navy sailors are accused of spying for China. U.S. Attorney Martin Estrada says a petty officer, Zhao, allegedly received $15,000 for sending information to Chinese intelligence officers. Petty officer Zhao agreed to transmit and did in fact send sensitive U.S. military information to the intelligence officer working for the People's Republic of China. Another sailor who was also arrested for sending weapons plans from the ships he was serving on, the Justice Department announcing the arrests of both active duty members yesterday, and they're being accused of sending national defense information to Chinese officials in exchange for cash. Rick Hoshel tells us forecasters are apparently sticking with their prediction of an above average Atlantic hurricane season this year. The latest update from Colorado State University predicts 18 named storms, nine hurricanes, and four major storms. That's the same as their forecast last month. Tropical weather experts at the university initially called for a below-average season. However, they say extremely warm water in the tropical and subtropical Atlantic is expected to counteract some of the typical El Nino-driven increase in wind shear that would affect hurricanes. Jobs numbers from last month coming out this morning. Analysts expecting them to show 200,000 non-farm positions added. That will be the smallest gain since December of 2020. Unemployment expected to hold at 3.6%. Employers are hitting the pause button on back-to-the-office efforts, apparently. According to new information, workers who are on a hybrid or remote work assignment are not showing diminished productivity. Analysts say that younger workers express different sensibilities and needs than their older counterparts and tend to excel in a flexible work environment. 
The roller coaster capital of the world, Ohio Cedar Point, announcing a record-breaking roller coaster with speeds of up to 128 miles per hour. Wow. Experts say Top Thrill 2 will be the boldest and most advanced roller coaster Cedar Point has ever introduced and the tallest and fastest in the world. Top Thrill 2 is debuting next year. The original Top Thrill Dragster closed in 2021. Now, if you're not familiar with where Cedar Point is located, it's in Sandusky, Ohio, along one of the Great Lakes, Lake Erie. It's a really cool park, but can you imagine? 128 miles per hour and the tallest and boldest roller coaster. Wow. Finally, in our news segment on a Friday morning, time for some cookies and milk. Go grab it because it's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, as Bree Tennis tells us. It's a drop cookie created in Massachusetts at the Toll House Inn. Yes, that's where it started. Nestle bought the recipe from Ruth Wakefield in 1939 for a lifetime supply of chocolate. It is America's favorite cookie, but it's not the world's favorite. That goes to Oreo, also good. On this National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, remember that chocolate lowers blood pressure, prevents liver damage, and boosts brain power. Especially dark chocolate, from what I understand, which I love. Alrighty then, it is 13 minutes past the hour. Always great to check in with Doug Keck for our inside word on all the great programming and events we're covering on EWTN, especially the beautiful coverage and just really, really a lot of work going into this, as Sean Mullen explained yesterday, the coverage of World Youth Day taking place this week in Portugal. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Fifteen minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Friday. And we have our Inside Words segment, as we do every week, with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer. So I told you I stayed up late 
last night watching some of the great coverage of World Youth Day, and I got a kick out of uh, one of the reporters interviewing some of the students because it was the kids were cheering so loudly that he kept having to tell the people to put the microphone up <laughs> to their mouth because that, <laughs> that's how loud it was. But it's such a beautiful expression, and it was just so great to right. see. So really busy time for you guys right now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. I mean, we came out of uh, covering the Napa events. Uh, we came out covering... Uh, also, the Knights of Columbus, Knights of Columbus. at the yep. beginning mm-hmm. of the week, is, which is actually something that I was focused on. And Peter Gagnon and his team uh, have been over there and working on this for, for, for the last year. And uh, uh, Enrique Duprat on the Spanish side, the Polish side, multiple languages. The Germans are there, uh, our guys from the Rome office, the news team. I mean, there is no way to get better coverage of what's going on in World Youth Day in Portugal. Right. Then through all of the various EWTN outlets that are out there, and uh, those people work really, really hard. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work, and I can I can empathize with being in crowds like that because you really have to be able to over-enunciate and speak very loudly right. and clearly to get over. But that's a good problem to have because you have so much enthusiasm, you know, in terms of the people reacting. So when will you wrap up all the coverage? On Sunday? Basically on right? Sunday. Yeah. I mean, basically today we've got the Way of the Cross at 12.30 mm-hmm. p.m. And then tomorrow uh, Pope Francis is in Fatima. That starts, that's at 4 a.m. And then there's a prayer vigil at 2. Uh, and then uh, Mass on Sunday and then on the way out the door is a meeting with volunteers. And the Mass is live at 3 a.m. for people like yourself who might be up. And for 10 o'clock, it encores for the rest of the people. Uh, actually, 5 o'clock is the encore. So uh, that's how we wrap up uh, World Youth Day, uh, complete week coverage of it. We've also got a couple of programs airing basically later today, a couple of specials that our own Father Leo Padalinghunk put together on Saving Our Faith on Fatima and Raga Portugal, both of them new oh. episodes. And people who are watching our coverage might have seen him dipping in and out with a couple of uh, tips about uh, about food and things related to the faith in Portugal. Also, uh, coming up later today, uh, a program we're very proud of, The Great Sermons, The Cure of Ours. Mm. It's a dramatized presentation of one of his most influential sermons. That's at 6.30 p.m. today, Ooh. and that is airing, of course, on his feast day. Yep, today. All, mm-hmm. Also on Sunday, we've got a new episode of Living Divine Mercy for those who uh, really enjoy that program. We've got uh, Edith Stein, uh, St. Benedict of the Cross, parts one and two of that movie airing on the 7th. That's oh, on that's Monday. such a good movie. I it's saw excellent. that. It's mm-hmm. excellent, and that's because in, in preparation for her feast day on the right. 9th. Ninth, yeah. Now, uh, next Wednesday, uh, our good friend Colin Donovan has been named a, a member of the Pontifical Marian Academy. Wow. International, based in Vatican City. So at Mass, there's going to be a special ceremony honoring him, so people can check that out on Wednesday morning. And then John Henry Crosby will be with Mitch on Wednesday. I'll get to talk to him about his book as well. Uh, and it's uh, Reflections on the Truth by the late, great Alice von Hildebrand, mm. uh, one, of, one of the great thinkers and married to one of the greatest thinkers of all time. And, of course, that's... Uh, EW10.com for all the information. You've got World Youth Day happening, and if you miss any part, you'll see parts on our On Demand and our YouTube channel. And uh, there's just so much programming out there and so much available 24-7 on every format, whether it be a podcast or an audio podcast or whatever. If you're looking for it, it's there. You can mm-hmm. find it. And EW10.com is the best place to start. 
I know that we're not in quote unquote a rating system or anything like that, and you know Arbitron or Nielsen. But I could imagine that there are a lot of people watching World Youth Day for a number of reasons. But especially, I think parents must be watching to see if they could see their kids shot of their kids there. What do you think? Well, that, uh, I would absolutely think that that's part of it. I mean, a lot of people do that related for the March for Life. They like to be able to watch and see. Oh, there's the kids from the high school or right. whatever. You know, same Hi, idea. Right. <laughs> right. And I think also with those kind of events, what's nice is sometimes they do attract people who normally don't watch because it's kind of an unusual event. And, you know, having all these young people together for some people think, well, I, you know, I thought all these religions were dying. I thought the church was fading away. Well, you know, what's going on here? So uh, I think it's something that that can pique people's interest, which is important, too. Yeah, I, I think it's super important to cover events like this, and, and you see the enthusiasm. What really moved me were the kids just looked so happy, and, and they were holding up cards like they were when the camera was going by. One of your camera people was going through the audience, and mm-hmm. they, we know what they were holding up. They were holding up their rosaries, and they are holding up their, their, their images of Our Lady of Fatima and pointing to the Holy... I mean, where are you going to see that elsewhere? Well, you don't, and, and, you're, and you're told by the mainstream media and even some people inside the church that uh, you're not going to see that, and that's very passe. Instead, what we're seeing is the core aspects of the faith, uh, the rosary, the Eucharist, uh, the, the love of the saints, uh, the young people who love their church and care about their church and are dedicated to their church going forward. Uh, and and that's what you're seeing, and 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 that is what keeps things going because that's been always core to Mother Angelica, and her message. Uh, right. You know that keeping that devotional aspect. There's so many other aspects that get emphasized all over the place at times, you know, which are good things, social justice things like that. But you know, the Knights of Columbus just did a, a when we did the convention. The theme was faith first and charity, yeah. and I we talked about that several times about how important it is. The faith comes first out of the faith comes the charity and the good works right but if you get that order wrong you end up with a lot of social workers and not a lot of evangelists yes absolutely and i think it was really i think powerful that you had all of this going on leading up to world youth day and i can imagine i keep thinking about this and i thought about this last night when I was watching some of the coverage on EW Chan, that World Youth Day probably, in terms of the coverage from the media, is a lot like the March for Life, because yep. nobody covers a March for Life Absolutely. like we do, and nobody covers World Youth Day like we do. Absolutely, and then they try to ignore it as much as possible yeah. in general. Uh, you know, I mean, quite honestly, if you weren't watching EWTN, would you know that World Youth Day was even happening? Right. Probably well, Joan not. said there were some reporters covering it, and you know, covering it, but to what extent, though? Right. Right. And, and and what angles are they spinning or putting on it, depending on what they're looking for? You know, right. there's obviously been some other aspects of it. You know, some statements early on about, well, we're not there to, you know, convert people, so to yeah. speak, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Either Father James Martin, you know, his presence, these things, kind of things that might be being highlighted, too. So it's not that it's totally ignored, but if you looked at it in the context of the kind of coverage it warrants because of the nature of it, the number of people, the, the fact that it's so unusual, uh, it's nowhere near what it should be getting. Well, and th- those aren't the angles. Those are good angles that you just pointed out. The kids and how many of them are faithful, holding their rosaries, holding their images of Our Lady of, of Fatima and statues of Our Lady of Fatima as well throughout the crowd that I noticed right. the children, the young people brought with them. But sh- Right, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, you know, but, uh, you know, you don't want the mainstream media doesn't want a message to get out that they don't want to get out. It's right. like seeing people who are excited, the pro-life movement or any of these things or the youth involved. They have to poo-poo it or because it runs totally counter to what they'd like to believe. Mm -hmm. And they want to believe that all young people are all in on these extreme woke agendas and that there can't be right. people that believe what the church teaches, whether it be Absolutely. at the March for Life or whether at World Youth Day, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You said it. That's exactly what it is. I do want to encourage people to tune in. When is the movie on again about uh, St. Teresa Benedict Duck? Because that movie is excellent. It's on Monday. Okay, because that was really good. Is that the one, is that the one uh, published by Ignatius? Did they put that out? I'm trying to remember. Well, uh, the, they uh, the movie was it, right? yeah. The movie was produced in in Germany. They uh, they have the home video rights, and I think they actually have some of the other distribution rights for it as well. But it is excellent, and and that's that's definitely a film and a story that a lot of I think educated college women. And I just mm -hmm. say that because mm -hmm. they tend to be the ones who get caught up in the, the wokeness the most. Uh, you know what I mean? That they should watch that film and see a great thinker like her. You know, it begins on the 7th at 5.30, and then the next night at uh, 5.30, August 8th. So look for that. You know what I mean? And yeah. so th she she's a great thinker, and you see how she reads herself and leads herself into the church and ultimately into her own demise. Right. And well, it, it's just it's powerful because in her day, when women did not have a lot of advancements, this is you know, before go going into World War II, obviously, mm -hmm. where she had she was a teacher, she was an educator, but she was also a prominent speaker and was very similar in terms of her theology to John Paul II, even though she never met him. They lived about they lived at the same time and were active in various movements at the same time. So it's a beautifully Absolutely. done yep. film. And I love her. She's another one of my favorites. Yep. St. Teresa Benedicta. Doug, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And we will talk more about the great coverage and the wrap-up next week. Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer. Again, everything can be found, all the schedules, all the information we just discussed, EWTN.com. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent, to Christ present in the Eucharist, to Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band, and I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church, and I was just a child. But I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Was Jesus' risen body the same body he dwelled in while living on earth? According to the Catholic Catechism, it was the same body that was crucified, but it was glorified and different in profound ways from the risen body of Lazarus, which Jesus brought forth from the tomb. Lazarus returned to his same earthly life with the same limitations he had when he left it. Jesus rose with new powers. His body was no longer confined to time and space. He could appear and disappear at will. 
He could walk through doors. He could also eat and drink, as he did with the apostles, to prove to them that he was not a ghost. He could appear in whatever guise he chose, as he did with Mary Magdalene when she thought he was the gardener. The reality of the resurrection of the body seemed an impossibility to the disciples. They needed the added impetus of God's grace to accept and believe such a reality. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. This is a story that uh, broke earlier this week. This is a very popular coffee brand, or at least it was. Who knows what's going on with them right now because there's boycotts against them already. I was reading a story from uh, foxnews.com that I came across. Popular coffee brand outrages consumers with image of post-op trans man, glorification of breast mutilation. So the reason we're doing this in Fact Check Friday is because of the lack of attention and this is obviously a secular media outfit, but, uh, but uh, Fox tends to lean a little bit more conservatively, that the way the media are covering this again or not covering it, we talk about the sin of omission, they're either ignoring this story or they're claiming that the people complaining about this disgusting ad are the problem, not the company that put this out there that really is hurting women, especially those women who have gone through a mastectomy or a double mastectomy. The UK chain Costa Coffee promoting an image of a transgender person showing scars after having breasts removed. Backlash has begun against a popular British coffee brand Costa after consumers spotted the company using a graphic of a transgender person bearing scars from what is known as a top surgery. Several online users and coffee drinkers were surprised to see a photo of a Costa Express van showcasing a colorful image with scars from a double mastectomy. The hashtag Boycott Costa Coffee began trending earlier this week with many people speaking out against the company for appearing to glorify the mutilation of girls. Now, what is really important about this is this is happening in the same place, one of the major areas of Europe that has put a stop in terms of these surgeries. This story came out in June of, well, this year, actually June of 2022, actually. This is from the Daily Wire. Europe dialing back shocking policies on transgender kids and medical intervention. European countries have been ahead on the U.S. in this issue. Now they are putting on the brakes. So you have countries such as the U.K., France, Sweden, Norway, Finland, pulling back on these so-called medical treatments for children they identify as gender dysphoric. And yet still, this company, this coffee company in Great Britain, thinks it's a good idea to put this ad out there. But what I'm glad to see is that all kinds of people are speaking out, especially women who've had this very, very important, life-saving, but dramatic surgery, a mastectomy or a double mastectomy. So Susan Smith with the group Four Women Scotland, I found this interview, I was doing some research online, sat down with one of the uh, Ian Collins, who apparently is a very popular conservative British radio and TV host and author. Take a listen to what she has to say about what's going on overseas there in Great Britain. You've had breast cancer. You've uh, had a a mastectomy. You're familiar with this whole process. How did you feel about a bit of a giggle uh, on the side of a van from Costa then? It's, it's, it was quite horrible, actually. Um, you know, I try not to have have my reactions to things informed by anecdotes and 
but I think that when you've been through something like this and so many women have been through this you know that this is a, a serious operation now obviously like most other women who've been through this we did it because the alternative is so much worse mm. and so obviously the the, the the side effects are not the most important thing you're thinking about when you go through it but afterwards there will be for many women um prolonged pain um psychological issues there's a scarring there's the risk of infection there's scar tissue um reduced mobility and all these things can affect your your day-to-day life uh, for the rest of your life so to have this promoted for young women when it's purely unnecessary is actually heartbreaking they, they were my my mum went through exactly this. She had breast cancer. She had a double mastectomy. Um, and I'm familiar with all the things that you've just mentioned there, Susan. And it's uh, you know nobody wants to go through that, of course. Uh, but as you rightly say, it's the it, it's the wisest and and, and best um, option uh, amidst a minefield of, of decisions and all sorts of things going on. So so when I saw that cartoon today, that that's what went through my mind. I thought, well, hang on. What, what are what, what are they trying to get at here? What is what are they? What message are they trying to put forward? And of course, what they've done, which seems to be rather classic, is they've thrown in the the, the word inclusive, inclusivity and diversity, which is sort of meant to shut us all up, really. Yes, and you know, well, it's been awful on social media because. Um, many women have come on and started talking about these experiences and saying why they find this so upsetting and they've been piled on by a group of people who i think a few years ago we would have known these were the real bottom feeders of twitter the dregs who yeah. just like to attack women for whatever reason and they've been coming on saying well i hope you die of it you cancerous bitch and things like that and now we're supposed to think they're the good guys because apparently they're defending people's right to be trans that's how they're framing it but actually it's just about being horrific to women on well i mean would absolutely and would like all of these decisions susan i always imagine i I try not to dwell on it because otherwise it will drive me nuts but i try to imagine there was a point presumably, where a lot of people sat around a rather impressive table in a boardroom and some person held up the big sign and said, look, this is a, an idea for our ad campaign. You might think one person around the table would have gone, is that, is that entirely appropriate? Bearing in mind that the biggest association somebody would have with that imagery would be exactly what we spoke about here, with the fight against breast cancer and women who've been through it and women who've experienced uh, not just going through breast cancer but uh, a, a mastectomy and uh, all of the other procedures that follow, etc. You might think someone would have raised that at such a meeting. Yeah, you would, but I think we've got to the point now where everybody else in society... Um, their their experiences, their feelings are considered as lesser. We hear so much about, you know, being careful and tiptoeing around people's pronouns or their preferred gender choices. All these things, we're, we're told we have to respect this. We're told that it's, you know, ridiculous things like it's genocide if you get the name wrong. And yet everybody else's experiences, everything else that is potentially upsetting and harmful for other people Mm. are dismissed so 
I think this isn't about diversity and inclusion, Costa, if you're listening. This is about saying that there are only one group of customers who actually matter to you, that the rest of us can go swing and our feelings and our, uh, our lives are not important to you. Amen to that. You know, it's only a certain group of people, you know, to whom they're playing. And it's very, very sad, especially, again, as I mentioned, in one of the countries overseas in Europe that has actually put a hold on these mutilating surgeries and these very dangerous puberty blockers. So where are the media, with the exception of a few outlets that are covering this? We're covering this. Uh, you know, conservative outlets are covering it. You've got this conservative talk show host overseas in Europe talking about it with this woman from for women scotland but where are the investigative reporters with the telegraph and all these other big papers uh you know the daily telegraph in in great britain even the new york times which is supposed to be this elitist this very you know big newspaper that's done so much investigative reporting don't even get me started on what's happened to the gray lady but why aren't they pointing out the obvious here especially in a country that has put the kibosh on these surgeries the sin of omission again And we need to get these stories out there that we also have a voice, whether the left wants to admit it. We'll be right back. If you're an optimistic Catholic, will you live longer? I'm Chuck Adica, and this is Journey Strong. My wife Susan and I recently lost a dear friend who almost made it to age 99. Varied studies suggest that we may have a better chance of living to near 100 if we are both emotionally aware and hold a positive attitude about life. Being optimistic is a Catholic thing, or it should be. We hold views that include man and God prevailing over darkness and evil, and all human life being highly valued and unique. All positive. But we need more than worldly optimism. We need true theological hope. The Catechism states, Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now that's hope. For more on this, look to the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Time is God's creation. He actualizes His plan of salvation in time and in space. We live at that interface between time and eternity, and that is never more visible to us as in the liturgy, where heaven touches earth. That's where our attention catches a glimpse of eternity, and then, unfortunately, the veil falls too quickly back over our eyes, time passes, memory fades, willpower weakens, our attention gets restless and flitters uh, between the urgent and the importance, the trivial, the profound. In and of itself, time serves nothing. It improves nothing. But through the church calendar, Christ is restructuring time to assist in our sanctification. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Italian-American sister of the Lord, Naomi Daguidice, a beautiful name. She's also in a beautiful ministry. She's the state director of Catholic Outreach for Vote Catholic Ohio. We are praying for you. We are trying to get the word out, Naomi. 
Now, you have a little bit of an advantage, a better advantage than we had in Michigan last year with Prop 3, Proposal 3, because you found out about this situation a little bit earlier, so you were able to you know, get your, your ducks in a row and get organized. And you also have like a two-tiered system in terms of the election, but there's a big vote coming up next week. So tell us about it, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. I really appreciate you shedding some light on the situation. So here uh, in Ohio, we go ahead. Mm-hmm. are in a situation that is a little bit unlike anything ever before. Right now, radical out-of-state pro-abortion special interest groups led by the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, and this group called URGE, which is um, basically existing to push everything that we as Catholics do not believe in and know to be gravely sinful and harmful to the dignity of the human person, they're pushing this amendment and trying to change our state constitution to add abortion up to birth, sex change surgeries, sex change hormones, contraception, sterilization, and anything that can somehow be construed, twisted to be defined as a, quote, reproductive decision. They're trying to make those things constitutional rights for any person of any age in the state of Ohio. And in addition to that, they're trying to ban parental notification and consent even that, you know, their minor child is considering or undergoing any of these things. And lastly, their radical language would also remove current health and safety measures in Ohio surrounding any of these things. So something as simple as the current requirement that an abortion facility have a transfer agreement with a local hospital in case something happens to the mother, you know, while the abortion is going on. Obviously, you know, we are here to stand for and protect the children and the babies and the unborn, but we care about the mothers, too. Those things would be called, quote, undue burdens under this radical language. So this is coming up for a vote in November, and these radical groups have decided to put this language up on the ballot in our state because we have a constitution that's easy to change. Our threshold requirement is only 50 percent of the vote plus one vote here in the state of Ohio, which makes us wide open to these out-of-state special interest groups trying to influence our elections. So the legislature saw this threat coming up, we had the time, unlike the three other states, Michigan being one of them, where this disastrous and dangerous immoral language passed, and they said, not on our watch. We are the duly elected officials here in the state of Ohio. We were elected because we are pro-life, and they put issue one, which is up for a vote in a special election this coming Tuesday, August 8th, on Ohio's ballot to give Ohioans an opportunity to vote to make it more difficult for these out-of-state special interests that are pouring billions mm-hmm. of dollars into our Constitution, into our state, to make it more difficult for them to add this radical language to our Constitution. So when you say we have a two-tiered process, we're very blessed in that. But at the same time, Ohio is in the fight. We're really in the fight of our lives here in the pro-life movement. Do you think, Naomi, that, that you're successful at getting the word out? What kind of feedback are you hearing? Because we worked on this effort really hard uh, through Ave Maria Radio, EW10, and even uh, Al Cresta, myself, uh, Vanessa Denhagarmo, actually were featured in terms of interviews that we did, and they had us even record some PSAs for some secular stations to get the word out uh, for the campaign. And we really did everything we could, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough because the money that they had on the other side in terms of the advertising and having the media in their pocket, basically, we couldn't pull off a victory. So what is the feedback so far in terms of your efforts? Because I know you're, you're doing a lot of a lot of really good grassroots efforts. Right. Yeah, great question. So the money, as you said, that's a big influence. Um, it's definitely a barrier and a challenge. But at the same time, when you really share the truth, 
the truth is really what is our greatest weapon here, other than our Lord and the Eucharist and our faith and the communion of saints. When you share the truth with people and say, this language coming up in November would enshrine late-term abortion, would take away parental rights, would remove health and safety measures, a lot of it is in that messaging, and thankfully we're blessed that we've had more time to educate people and share the truth about this issue with them. So we're seeing when you share the truth, when you actually kind of take away the vague language and actually call it what it is, people's opinion starts to shift. So we've seen public opinion shifting in Ohio according to that messaging, but it is difficult because they're well-funded. We're the only state that has this on the ballot. You know, as we said, there were a few that had it on the ballot last year, and they lost, sadly. We've talked to them and asked them, what did you do? What worked for you? What didn't work for you to help inform us? And then there's 11 states that are likely to have it up on the ballot next year. So they've already been talking to our state campaign as a whole, saying, what have you guys done? What are you doing? What's working for you? What's not working? And right now, all eyes are on Ohio because, you know, if we can win and fight this, this will give us so much momentum moving forward and encourage and embolden those 11 states. And if we lose, this, you know, is going to empower the other side. And we have 30,000 unborn babies on the line every year that will be aborted if this is added to the Constitution in November. So issue one is, you know, very connected to this fight and very connected to our success, because the more we protect our Constitution and give all 88 counties in Ohio input into the situation, the better off we are. We're talking with Naomi Del Guidice, and she is the state director of Catholic Outreach for Vote Catholic Ohio, talking about their efforts to get the word out. And so Tuesday, big day, right? Just repeat for our listeners if they're Tuesday. just tuning in, right? Yes. So on Tuesday here in the state of Ohio, we have a special election. The only thing on the ballot is issue one. This election was scheduled as a response to out-of-state radical special interest groups that are trying to put anti-life and pro-abortion language into our state constitution. So issue one does three things. It would say instead of having just 50% plus one vote in the state of Ohio be able to change the constitution, it would raise that percentage to 60%, requiring an actual majority of Ohioans, bringing us into conformity with the federal constitution and with the majority of other states that even allow these constitutional amendments um, being proposed. 32 states do not even permit this. Um, of the 17 states that do, nine of them have some form of enhanced requirement to be adopted. And Ohio is aligned with California, for example, which is not a place anyone wants to be um, as far as the constitutional threshold requirement goes. So the first thing is 60%. The second thing would say that all 88 counties, instead of just 44, should have input into the constitutional amendment process in Ohio. So right now, Special interest groups can cherry-pick the 44 counties they want here in Ohio that agree with them, and then they can put language on the ballot, spread as much misinformation and lies with all the billions of dollars they have, and then try to shove something through to go around and circumvent the Ohio Constitution and the people that we duly elected to represent us. The third thing that Issue 1 does is it says information to change the Constitution, whether that's signatures or documentation, it needs to be accurate and submitted on time. And it removes a 10-day grace period that currently exists. So when special interest groups submit inaccurate information or faulty signatures trying to change and sway our elections and our Constitution, it would say, you need to submit information that's accurate and on time. A third grader cannot submit inaccurate information and, you know, submit it late and get a 10-day grace period and get that full 
um, credit for that. And in Ohio, it just makes sense. If you're going to do something as serious as change our God-given constitutional fundamental rights, our right to life, our right to protect ourselves, you should be able to submit information accurate and on time and take that seriously. So issue one is just honestly a good government thing for our state. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to November, it's absolutely crucial that Ohioans vote yes and support it. So let me ask you, you know, Naomi, what the problem we had, one of the problems we had here in Michigan was because of language, and you, and you uh, hit upon this a, a little bit earlier in your statement again, uh, reiterating what's going on in the, different, in the, in the two-tier process here, and I thank you for that. One of the problems is the fact mm-hmm. that, as you said, the, the language is vague. And so as you well know, as someone who's on the front lines in this grassroots movement, right. is what the left always does with this is they take that vague language and they say, oh, no, what they claim is going to happen is not going to happen. It's really going to be just terrible for women who who want their quote unquote you know reproductive rights, their their gender affirming care, or you know men, women, whatever. So that we're the fear mongers, but they're the ones who are really the fear mongers. Exactly, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, the way that they do this is completely deceptive. We're in a spiritual battle, and you know we recognize it as such. But for example, you know they have spread so many lies saying you know what the pro-life side would do would take away, you know, a mother's right to care or a mother's right to help if she's in an emergency. All of the things that they have said are lies, you right. know, and if they were being truthful, they would explain our amendment that says every individual has a right to carry out, quote, reproductive decisions, including but not limited to dot, dot, dot. They would actually have that phrase say every individual, as in minor children of any age, nowhere does our amendment say woman in it. That's what they would say if they were being truthful. As they said, including but not limited to, they would actually spell that out. Because if you told Ohioans, here's an amendment coming up that would give take away your parental rights, that would take away your ability to even have a legal right to involvement in your child's life and decisions, that would endanger women, that would actually penalize and hurt pregnancy care centers, which exist to protect and assist women in all of their needs here in our state, that would endanger and threaten Catholic doctors and nurses and hospitals and try to force them to do things that they in good conscience cannot do and that is not even able to be defined as medicine, right, or care. Mm -hmm. If Ohioans really knew what was going on, they would not support this. So right now, obviously, we're in crunch time trying to share that message, but also that's why issue one is so important because it helps us. It makes up for the lack of, you know, time and money and does something we should have done a long time ago by saying, Things that are so fundamental as constitutional rights should never be taken um, or twisted or so easy to change that it's just contingent on public opinion. We need to bring our standards into conformity with what our founding fathers intended for us to be a constitutional republic. No, what a We're concept, huh? <laughs> Don't even get I know. Started. <laughs> All right, before it's we wrap up, so we have about three minutes content. left. I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to get a couple of points in. What I know there's a lot of events going on in Ohio. We've got Michigan pro-lifers going down to Toledo and other areas. Cincinnati's got a big yeah. rosary rally. What else is going on in the churches in terms of preaching and teaching about this this weekend? Right. So um, to be quite frank, it's kind of different from diocese to diocese. Different bishops have taken different approaches and stances um, on how to discuss these issues. So, you know, in many dioceses, it's up to the priest. Mm -hmm. So you'll see some priests that are speaking about it from the pulpit. There are some priests who've put in bulletin inserts. There are some um, parishes that have had town halls to educate their parishioners to let them know that August is 100% connected to November and that without August, success is going to be extremely difficult. Um, So, 
you know, they have been doing a lot in their own ways, kind of depending on the leadership that their diocese has taken. Um, and we just exist to help them educate, encourage, embolden, and equip them to live joyfully the church's yeah. teaching on life and do that with the best of our ability. Well, you're doing a great job. So we are behind you and trying to get the word out here. Michigan is working really hard. All the pro-lifers who were out there on the ground last year are doing whatever we can to get the word out uh, across the state to the Buckeye State. Is there a website, Naomi, for which people can turn for more information on this? Yes. So as far as the November Amendment goes, protectwomenohio.org would be a great site to send them to. That has November information so people know, you know, what August 8th in Issue 1 are seeking to address. As far as August 8th goes, VoteYesOhio.com has a lot of information about Issue 1. I recommend that. And then for anybody that wants to get involved in the Catholic Grassroots Lay Initiative, so we're a lay organization composed of volunteers, please reach out to us at VoteCatholicOhio.com. We would absolutely love any help you have and people who, even if they don't live in Ohio, if you can educate your friends in Ohio. Yeah, or just put it out there because this is, this is, this is not just affecting Ohio or Michigan or the other. This is what I was saying last year. This affects all of us. Every single, God forbid, abortion affects all of us across the country and around the world. Naomi, God bless you. Thank you so much for your information. And we're going to be praying for you and we'll be talking more about this next week with the big vote for starters coming up on Tuesday. And one more time, give me your website. Our website is VoteCatholicOhio.com, and ProtectWomenOhio.com would be the one dealing with November. VoteYesOhio.com is the August issue one website. Thank you for having me, Teresa, and God bless you and the great work you you do. Thank you, Naomi. Really appreciate it. Naomi Delguideche, beautiful name, is the (laughs) State Director of Catholic Outreach, Vote Catholic Ohio. Get the word out, folks. Let's do what we can. And again, ProtectWomenOhio.org and also the Catholic Vote website. We'll be right back. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. As Catholic parents, we know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day. Get expert help with discipline issues. Self-care. Creating a stronger marriage. Living your faith at home. We're just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources. Check out entertaining videos that teach your kids to get along with each other and love the Lord. Downloadable activities. Monthly live parenting Q&As. A supportive community of faithful parents. And tons of other benefits like our exclusive Catholic Home podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home community. Remember, that's CatholicHOM.com. We can't Can't wait wait to to see see you there. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. 
More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN. Don't forget all the great coverage this weekend, as Doug Keck mentioned earlier, on World Youth Day. And so many great things coming up the next couple of days. So just go to EWTN.com for all the information. And on Monday morning, good Lord willing, the creek don't rise, or in this case, the Straits of Mackinac don't rise. I will be live from the beautiful Grand Hotel for our annual Grand Hotel getaway. And the one, the only, Father Michael Schmitz is going to be joining us. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great discussion, I'm sure. And we'll also hear about some other family events that are going on at this uh, fabulous hotel in the Straits of Mackinac. And if you've never been there, it's something you definitely want to put on your bucket list. But we'll be talking all about the different activities and then checking in with Father Mike to see how it's going with the catechism in a year. So I do hope that you have a blessed and beautiful weekend and pray for all the young people in the area of Lisbon, Portugal for World Youth Day and pray for the vote in Ohio next week. And God willing, we'll talk to you live from Mackinac Island on a Monday morning. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.